UFO round table. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. Okay, so welcome back to another monthly roundup round table with myself, Frank, UFO Thinker Podcast, with Ash and Greg. Hello. From the Pursuit of the Paranormal Podcast slash UFO Identified. How are we doing, chaps? Good, good, very good. How are you, yeah. Frank? Yeah, not too bad. It's been a bit of a busy month, but it's nice to be back on the mic and uh, back in a virtual room with you guys having a discussion. Are you well, Greg? Yeah, all good, thank you. Just got over COVID, so... That's uh, been a nightmare. Oh, yeah, no. Recovered. Yeah, recovered and back to full fighting fitness, though, hopefully, yeah? Mm. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, we're joined again uh, once more by Dave Smethurst. How are we doing, Dave? I'm in good form, Frank. Yeah, how are you? Uh, yes, I know you've been keeping a low profile recently. I've had people asking after you. Oh, all right, I've, yeah. I told them you're all right. You know, you're, you're back, in, back, back in the saddle, as it were, you know? I certainly am. I'm hopping on the saddle whenever I do get the, the chance to do so. And as you probably tell by my voice, I'm still a bit being bunged up by having all kinds of illnesses, as is traditional for me, especially this time of year. So looking forward to getting into the nicer weather and being a bit more healthy and hopefully having a bit more time to actually do pods. So, um, yeah, well, let's get stuck into some of the things that have been happening uh, over this month. So I thought, first of all, we'll have a little chat about the Baghdad Phantom UAP. So I'll just go through a bit of the background information, uh, as I usually do, and then hand it over to you guys and see what you thought about it. Uh, I did talk about this on, on my pod, uh, so I won't go into too much detail uh, here, but just to summarize a little bit. So apparently this is uh, six images which are stills taken from footage which was taken north of the city of Baghdad, Iraq, on the 14th of May, 2022. The actual video itself apparently is about seven seconds long. It's a, a cylindrical, uh, what's labelled as a UAP, and it was, uh, the file was named the Baghdad Phantom. So it supposedly is shown moving under intelligent control, um, and it moves in kind of a straight line across the, the video, and that's what the stills show as well, going from the left to the right um, of the screen. And it's actually taken on a, a FLIR forward-looking infrared, and that is uh, a sensor system which is mounted on a, a US Air Force Reaper drone. Now, some important details around this as well is that apparently it was not, a single event it was part of a wider uap event during a 24-hour period various different shaped uap were apparently captured during this event series obviously we don't have footage or any any pictures or anything of those but apparently this is part of a wider uap event series and there is talk that there was corroborative data from other sensor systems and things which actually were also picking up these objects, including thermal and radar. Uh, but again, we don't have access to all of the other uh, bits of data from those other sensor systems. So I thought it was a pretty interesting case, brought forward by um, uh, George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell once again. 
and obviously it set the uh, the UFO Twitter world alight with uh, speculation. And um, my kind of thoughts on this, uh, a lot of people said there's a lot of hype around these kind of cases, which is you know, probably fair to say, but I personally don't mind it. I like a bit of the buzz of excitement of knowing that there's going to be a case coming, and I think it's good to get new cases, and it's good to get people talking. So I, I initially thought this just looked like a missile, but there has been a lot of discussion from some of the more kind of rational and reasonable sceptics, uh, such as Chris Spitzer, who I've talked about quite a bit as one of those. And um, uh, Chris and a few others kind of actually doubt that this could be a missile uh, because of the way that it appears on the system. Uh, the trail at the back doesn't actually look how you would expect uh, a missile or a rocket propulsion trail to appear. And um, Tim McMillan had also gone into a bit of detail uh, talking about how the, the black and white thing on the, on the flare footage is relative and so it could be potentially that if there was very hot fire and things like that on the ground, it might cause uh, hot objects to appear as not hot. So obviously there's a lot of analysis being done on this. And I, I think we have to bear in mind that, you know, just from a still, there's, there's only so much you can really do with it or a series of stills and that, if we had a bit more to this case, it could be potentially as big as the kind of the Navy videos and things like that. If the footage came out and we got some eyewitness testimony and things as well around it, it could also be a bit of a disappointment though if more information came out. We just don't know until we get that other information. But I, I was saying when I did my pod a little while ago now, if you compare it to say the Tic Tac, you know, the, the video of the, of the Tic Tac, the FLIR video, you know, imagine a still from that, it wouldn't look very impressive. And without that bigger picture data of all the eyewitnesses and all the rest of it, it would be a, a much less interesting case. But I think overall, you know, the fact that we get new cases is good. And I quite enjoy the whole, you know, Twitter storm of everybody trying to solve cases and things. Everyone becomes a bit of a Sherlock Holmes. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, just take it for what it is. And if we get more information down the line, that'd be really interesting as well. So, Ash... I know you're raring to go there. I can see you. <laughs> so, what do you reckon about this one? So, I mean, I mean, the pictures are the pictures. Like you said, with a picture, you can't do much with it. So it's seven or six stills of this black thing. And you can't really tell what it is. I believe they, they do have the video. I'm not sure that's correct or not, but I do believe that they have the video. They just haven't released it. They've done the stills rather than actually releasing the video. I like the Mosul picture. If they got the video, just release the video. If they're giving us stills, release the video. And like when you talk about the wider sort of UAP event, without any context, it doesn't really mean anything. What else was seen? Was it in the same area? Was it similar? Was it different? So sort of just saying all this stuff is all well and good, but it doesn't really add anything to the story without any more context to it. You got Jeremy Corbell saying uh, and I quote, it's 100% that the object flew under controlled flight with intelligent control. How can you say that? There's, unless you know what it is, there's no way that you can sort of say that's intelligent control. It's a seven-second clip, I believe, um, and it's just a black line going across the screen. And I saw a lot of you talk about it can't be a missile because it's shown as cold, but like you mentioned, the background's hotter. 
I mean, it's Iraq, it's May, it's going to be hot, then if the ground's hot or whatever, then it could appear cold, according to Flair. So, uh, I don't know, I mean, I tried to listen to the podcast the uh, that came out about it, I gave up because it was just Jamie Corbell talking rubbish, and I tried to give it a chance, and I really wanted to listen to it, because it's inter- like I say, it's interesting, it's good to see him talking about it on Twitter, and hearing different viewpoints, what I listened to. Then, but the way I'm talking about it, they're just going on about other random stuff. So, yeah, I gave up trying to listen to the podcast itself. And like the the puddle in Mosul, it's it's an image. You can't do anything with an image, and you can speculate about all the other stuff around it. But why, like I say, why not release the video so you can actually see how it acts? Because especially with stills, you've got a frame that can distort the image, the trail. So it could actually be something different. When you actually see the video, it appears different. It could be like something flying close to the lens. It could be debris. It could be, it could literally be anything from that still, from these stills. You can't tell anything from it. And it could literally be anything. You see a dozen of these photos, obviously not over Iraq, not from like US military drone, but you still see very similar stuff. And it is just literally just nothing. So without the video or any of this other information, then it's a bit pointless, really. Yeah, just to clear up as well, I'm not exactly sure if there is six or seven stills um, because I think on the actual weaponized website it says six, but then the video is seven seconds long. But I have I have also heard other people saying seven stills as well. Not that it really matters because all the stills basically show the same thing. Yeah, just I just moving. I just wanted to throw that out there because I had, I had mentioned it as six, but there may be seven. But yeah, anyway, I suppose it's not really. It's neither here nor there, but worth worth mentioning. But um, yeah, we'll see what comes out of that one. It's. I think at the end of the day, with any case, you've got to have all the information on the table, haven't you? And as much as somebody might be saying, I've got all the information and it's really interesting and here's a little bit of that information, for me personally, I would like to see a a bit more of that come out because sometimes Mm -hmm. the the kind of open source investigation on Twitter is it can be really good, you know, to get answers, but it's better from that point of view the more data there actually is, you know what I mean? Now, there may be good reason for not releasing the video, I, I don't know, but, um, yeah, the more the more data, the better, because it helps us all to get some answers, doesn't it? There seems to be a bit of a pattern with me and Cobell in particular where it's just a little bit. It's like it is a tease. It's like, here's a little bit. We know more about it, but we're not going to tell you that stuff. I'm going to give you little hints, and here's just one picture or some some stills and have off with it and then let's just see what everyone says for a month and then we'll release another picture in a month and then change what's happening. So I guess it's just wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I think worth worth mentioning as well, I think part of the approach was to sort of bait the Pentagon into actually releasing the video and admitting that it was one of you know one of the cases they've been considering because I think that's what Jeremy's done in the past and it worked. But I don't think they're having any of that now. They basically just ignored it and refused to to make a statement about it or confirm or deny anything, and certainly not release the video. So we'll see. But um, what are you thinking, uh, Dave? Let's let's see what you reckon. Well, I think Ash keeps getting that puddle comment in, doesn't he? I've never. Yeah, he's always saying it. He's a disgrace. I think we <laughs> comprehensively said it was. He's no. He's not. There's very little chance of it being a puddle. Ash. It might not be whatever. 
But, uh, but so, was no, so you can't moan, can you, about all that when you're playing, you're, you're doing the same thing. I'm, I am only joking. I, I, I'm not I, not I am as well. Yeah. No, no, it's quite funny, though. Uh, I, it's funny, I met Ash, you know, uh, when that had just come out, that video, after we'd just been singing Corbell's praises, or I had anyway, you know what I mean, in that gleeful way that I did it, the last one. And then he released that video and everybody said, it's a missile, it's rubbish. Because you're right, that, that actual show, it was a little bit long when they were talking about, you're talking about the storming of Area 51. It was a little bit meandering. Then they shoved it into the last eight minutes. So it wasn't a great, uh, it, it, after we'd said it was the other shows, I think had been really good. And that one was a bit, little bit less, more freeform. I mean, for me, it was quite funny. A lot of people hit the ground running saying, oh, it's a missile, it's a missile. Ryan Sprague did a thing saying, it's a missile. And I thought, God, man, I was very brave to do that because I, I know what you said. I get what you're saying about them. But normally when, when they're coming out with stuff, they've normally got it off somebody. Do you know what I mean? So uh, there's normally something behind it in my experience. Even if you think it's a little hypey, there's normally something. So, I mean, and that's not having a go at Ryan. He was just braver than I would have been. So I thought, oh, maybe it is a missile. Maybe there's something to that. A few people have said that to me. And then, as you were saying, Frank, there's a few people, skeptics who I respect, were saying, oh, no, it's not this. They went through the, the flare stuff and said it, the background couldn't be that hot. But I get it could be. But do you know what I mean? There was a lot of talk about that. Condor Man as well, who's very good on the Twitter. He, and he's in aerospace and all the rest of it. He was saying it. So I, I thought there was something to it. Uh, and you're right about that, about that, Frank. He was sort of throwing the gauntlet down to the DOD a little bit like the other one, the, the puddle, <laughs> uh, before they, they had the same sort of thing because that actually hadn't been through the machine. And they were saying, oh, I don't know, why have you not got this? And so there was a bit of that going on. There was a bit of chicken going on, I thought, there. I, I think, for me, what I... Oh, and John Greenwald got in in the act as well. You don't see that. John, oh, good old John rolling up. So Susan Goff must have tipped him the wink there because he wouldn't normally say anything, not in my experience. So he, I was surprised about that. So it was all a bit weird, but I don't think, if I agree with you, Ash, I don't think there's much we can say about it really. I do think it was part of a film. I believe that. I sort of believe Nap and them about that when they're saying that. And I've also come to the conclusion if they're saying, if, or if it's a source you trust, and I, I know there may be some issues there, but if it's a source you personally trust, saying we've got a broader video, particularly them two, or George Knapp particularly as well, you know, because, you know, he's a long track record, you sort of think, well, there's probably something behind it. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't know that, Frank. I must have missed that about the other shapes. Rings a vague bell. You know, the other activity going on, that's very significant, that. I must have been nodding when I read one of the articles or something because I didn't spot that. So I, I think... Uh, yeah, when we get these things, it's, it's a good source. You have to take it seriously. But, yeah, it was a bit of a – it's a little bit inconclusive. And I get what you mean, Ash. I think if we're going to have videos given out, we, we, I, I don't think they are teasing it. I think they're sort of waiting to get these responses. But it makes it all a little – because I welcome the videos, but it makes it all a little bit of a damn squib, doesn't it? And so you probably need to think about that and maybe release it when you've got more, as it were, rather than drip it, you know. So, yeah. So uh, I thought it was interesting, but I, I wasn't particularly jumping on my chair with the tin file on yet again. Yeah, and do you know what? the um, That little bit that you were talking about, about the wider event series and the different shapes, that's actually taken from the, the weaponized 
uh, website. And, uh, you know, I now actually say it, I can't think whether it's the weaponized website or it's Jeremy Corbell's website, but the way it's actually presented there is is actually very good. And yeah, like you say on on the podcast that they did, it was like an hour and a half of something completely unrelated, and then just a bit at the end. But the way it's presented on the website is actually quite good. There's a lot more information. It's all kind of set out better. And I sort of wish, really, they would have done, you know, perhaps a half-hour video to present the case. The way that it is on the actual fact sheet on the website, you know, gone through the stills and just dedicated a bit of time to really presenting all the data they can. All right, some of it you might not be able to, because that would have been a lot more useful for people. But I think in this particular case, yeah, it, it could have been perhaps a little bit clearer from that point of view. But... As I say, at the end of the day, glad to get a case, but you know, a bit of room for improvement, perhaps in the way it was it was brought forward, and you know, we'll see how it actually how it how it moves along if we get any more. What are your thoughts on it, Greg? So yeah, <clears throat> so I wasn't really taken with the footage. I'll be honest, or the I say the footage, um, the the stills. Um, it could have been anything. It. You could, like Ash said, how could you tell it was intelligently controlled? It was going in a straight line. It just means that it's got some kind of propulsion. Whether that be natural, it's falling object, it could be anything. But like you said, I didn't, and you said, Dave, I, I didn't see the other objects involved in this. I thought this was, I know there was other instances of this, but not other objects uh, and other shapes. But the, so it was a white hot camera and there was no white so which generally means that there's no heat propulsion i know there's the background's hot but um my understanding is that if it was a jet propelled missile type thing you would see a signature of of the heat whether or not it be showing up so much but there is a definite pattern behind the object of like a almost like a corkscrew pattern if i'm not mistaken so that was about the only interesting bit i got out of that but there are a few in my mind there are a few headlines and points that we need to look at you've got this is a second time that jeremy corbell and george knapp have released something that's over an active war zone so the mosul one and this one my understanding is that this particular one that the Baghdad one was um it was not part of the congressional and arrow investigations so this was a, this was separate so it wasn't looked at um again they tease it at the end of their podcast episode like we've just spoken about i listened to that whole episode and it felt like it was just one long filler till we got to this little bit of information at the end that was new um so it seems that these clips are now a bit of a weaponized advert and a promo for the weaponized podcast, which I do enjoy listening to, to be fair. And I'm just making my way through the Duncan Trussell one, the new one, where he's talking about AI and his chats with ChatGPT, which is a great tool. Um, so that'd be interesting to see what happens there. But I think I love George Knapp. I think he's brilliant. From the Hoskin Walker days and the Bob Lazar days, I think he's been brilliant. Jeremy Corbell, I'm still not sure about. And I do think he's more of the media, the hype of the two, which we've seen in the past. So the this particular piece of footage, I wasn't wild with. 
it could be anything. There's not enough information, like you've all said, that it's not in context. But my understanding also is that the gimbal footage and the Go Faster footage, that they said that they saw multiple other objects in the background at the time these were being filmed. So why haven't we seen that those photographs? Because they must have caught them somewhere. And if they've done it in Baghdad as well, why haven't we seen those? It's either they didn't exist or we're not being told the full story and they don't want us to know the full story, which is weird in these times. Um, so not wowed. I think we have to look at why they're, why they're showing us these particular pieces of footage. And I don't know why. I don't know what they're getting out of the fact that they're overactive military zones. Uh, apart from, obviously, it's quite shocking that that's, that's happening. But the Mosul one, I'm, I'm not taking on. I don't think that's anything covered and sunk on the floor. But that's my opinion. I've not been wowed by either of those two active military zones. Not for me. Yeah, just to uh, clarify as well, just while you were talking, I had a quick look, and yeah, it's weaponizedpodcast.com, and you have to go to the news bit, and there there is a page for the Baghdad Phantom, and that's where all the information is, and it's actually quite well presented on that page, but as I say, it's just a bit of a shame that it didn't really come across. I don't think many people even know about this page, because there was more emphasis on the podcast and just to talk on Twitter and stuff, so... As I say, I would like to see a bit more, you know, kind of of that side of it pushed, really, uh, if with with other cases. But you know, I think that one of the things about this case, the Mosul Orb, uh, and and any any other cases, I remember going back about a year or so. There was a lot of emphasis on the five observables. You know, if something was doing like a right angle turn, or you know, like something really, you know, it's impossible seeming. And I don't think we've got any five observables really with the Mosul Orb. I mean, there's only so much you can tell about an observable from a still anyway. I suppose if you've got a series of stills, you could potentially say there's no visible means of propulsion, but even that's kind of, you know, debatable. So, yeah, I'd like to see, like we all would, I suppose, at the end of the day, a nice right angle turn in one of these kinds of things. That would uh, that would definitely silence the debunkers, wouldn't it, I think? But... No, no, no such luck on this one. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. That, uh, but you, I think they're getting scraps from the table. I think they've got a couple of contacts who are just giving them scraps and all the big stuff. They're not quite getting because that group thing's really important, like you're, you're saying, Greg. Because that's a whole nother ball game, that isn't it? And you would think if they had it, they'd show it. I certainly would. So yeah, anyway, yeah, it's that. It's that's a really good point. I do have one other thing bring up about Go the Reaper it. drone so a few weeks ago we saw a high definition color video from a Reaper drone Absolutely. where a Russian jet was dumping fuel all over it and allegedly hit it now if we can see that kind of quality on a Reaper drone why didn't we see that kind of quality on that Reaper drone or some kind of daylight footage or or something i it i don't know it's like those people that hold the camera up to the sky and they didn't see anything at the time and they're just having to look through their footage and all of a sudden they've got got what appears to be a bird a uh, slow frame rate looking blurred 
and they go, oh, I've got a UFO. It it screams that they didn't even know they had anything until they reviewed some kind of footage. That's what it appears to me. It doesn't look like they've purposely got that, those stills. Yeah, I must admit it's a really weird coincidence, isn't it, that that, that other Reaper drone footage of that... Um, uh, the the jet, you know, approaching it and, and sort of knocking it out of the sky by clipping the propeller. It's quite weird that that came out, like, literally a week or two after. You know, how bizarre weird. is that? Yeah. You know, uh, and, and the quality of that as well, the actual footage is amazing, isn't it? You can see the detail in the ripples of the jet fuel and everything. It's Yeah, yeah it's really it's quite insane. amazing. Mm-hmm. So where's all the good UFO footage then, guys? You know, <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what we want, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think we'll we'll crack on then. Moving on from that. Um. So let's move on to Ross Coltart's comments on that UFO podcast with our old pal Andy McGrillan, who some folks may have seen on the UFO Identified podcast panel alongside myself and Dan, and of course, who many more will be familiar with as. Uh, long-running UFO pod from here in the UK. Big shout out to Andy. Always does a cracking job of interviewing guests, and this was no exception. And a little bit about Ross Coltart as well. Uh, I'm sure most will be familiar, but for anybody who's not, Ross Coltart is a multi-award winning investigative journalist. Over three decades of experience in newspapers and television, including reporting for the Sydney Morning Herald newspaper, ABC TV, Four Corners, Nine Network Sunday Programme, 60 Minutes, and, and the list goes on. Ross has basically been right up there in his home country of Australia with all the big TV channels, and has won countless top journalism awards, and has, has really been delving in to his government contact lists and using all of his journalism skills to tackle the UFO topic over the last few years. Uh, Ross also wrote a, a really good book called In Plain Sight, where he lays out basically all of where of his, his actual UFO research has taken him to uh, up until the point when he wrote it. It's going back a couple of years now, I guess, but uh, still a great book. And uh, in this recent interview, Ross spills the beans about something that he has never mentioned before. And he asks him a, a listener question. Uh, about whether there is one individual group calling the shots on the UFO cover-up, basically. And Ross responds by saying, in his cinematic delivery that he usually does, quote, I'm going to use a word. Actually, I'm going to use two words. Group K. Remember that. Group K. And I hope that's causing a minor coronary infarction for somebody in the Pentagon right now. That's all I'm going to say. But that group is very important. And then he goes on to say, if I was a member of that gatekeeper group that is hiding a lot of the evidence that a lot of people say they're hiding, I'd be getting very nervous right now. Unquote. Now, obviously, there's nothing there to blow the entire mystery wide open or anything. It's more of an interesting tidbit, which may or may not lead to anything. Something... I've, I've spoken a lot about is this kind of concept of a group controlling the UFO cover-up. And obviously, Dave, we've spoken about this a lot uh, on and offline. And it does kind of stand to reason that if the biggest secret ever is being kept, it's going to be kept by someone. 
and there's been a lot of names mentioned, such as the Zodiac Group, MJ12, etc. The waters are very muddy when it comes to details and things and disinformation everywhere you look. But, you know, maybe there is something to this Group K thing. Equally, this could be a disinformation attempt, and I know Ross himself has said that he's always very wary of being told things which could be a disinfo attempt. So uh, you wouldn't really think that he's just read an email from someone anonymous and took it at face value. He's probably looked into it. Um, and if, if Ross is kind of you know speaking with, with that kind of certainty about it, it's worth considering. As with many of the things we discuss Time will tell as to whether more info comes out on it. And for now, it is just an interesting quote, but definitely an interesting quote. And obviously, again, a lot of discussion online about it and that kind of thing. So, Greg, what do you reckon, mate? Any thoughts on Ross, Ross's comments there and the idea of a, a control group type scenario just in general? Isn't there always a control group? Is like the New World Order, every, everybody's, <laughs> there is somebody controlling of it. Anyway, so I... I saw that and I was like, Group K, I've never heard of that. I hadn't heard of it before. So I Googled a bit and Twittered a bit and whatnot. And I come up with this guy called Elliot Bloom, who is um, named as being part of Group K, whether it's the Group K, I don't know. Um, but he was working up until uh, June the 30th, 1997. Uh, sorry, he was on sabbatical between June 30th, 1997 and August the 8th, where he was working in the Aspen Center for Physics in Colorado on particle astrophysics problems in theory and experimentation. This guy. So, Elliot Bloom, and I was reading a bit more about him, is a particle phys- astrophysicist with the Stanford Linear Accelerator Center, SLAC, who welcomed the crowd urged scientists to look beyond the standard model of fundamental particles and interactions, proposing future collaborative experiments to search for particles and fields yet undiscovered and extra dimensions yet unobserved, and find new ways um, to explore cosmic origin, structure, and fate. So he's definitely somebody who could fit a Group K kind of guy, there's loads about um, particle astrophysics at Stanford. And if you're going to be anywhere high up, um, I suppose at one of these universities is probably the best place. Then I looked a little bit further and people were saying that these kind of Group K members <clears throat> potentially are people who are high up in um, the faculties of certain universities because they can keep a low profile because they're kind of getting funding but not really having to put out a lot of stuff so they can get funding through the university um, to do all their weird stuff, i.e. holding back information, controlling information, um, that kind of thing. So Group K actually appears to be a real thing. But it's a little sort of um, rabbit hole that I'm looking forward to going down, like the animal mutilations we talked about last time, uh, which I've been listening to more and more about. This is another one, this group cared. Never heard of it before today, and I'm going, going in deep. 
it seems quite interesting. Um, so yeah, I for something I never heard of, it seems to be a real thing. Whether or not it's them, I don't know, but interesting. Yeah, it it is super interesting, and there's been quite a few people trying to dig into you know various different members of the group case since, and I think that's probably basically why Ross did it. You know, to basically, I think he said something along the lines of that after the actual quote that I just read out. He sort of said there are there are leads to follow up on or something along the lines of that. So I think he was deliberately dropping that as a kind of okay, everybody, you know, go get him <laughs> sort of thing, and it's that's another one to keep an eye on, but um. What do you reckon, Dave? Well, yeah, interesting. Well, I could love the thought of some moustache-twitching group of professors spread across America, like whatever. I love that. That's very good. I haven't heard that one. I do know Hermetic Penetrator uh, sort of went down a bit like that route and identified, I think it's the same group or something like that with the name Group K. I don't know whether it is that or not, but it's certainly, that was interesting what you read out. We don't know, do we, I suppose? But Ross Coulter, he's been having this sort of bipolar UAP thing, hasn't he, for the last year now. Uh, he comes on and says, oh, bloody rubbish, and they're all bloody press, and all the rest of it, and carries on with himself. Says, you found Twitter, louder bastards, you know, and all that. He carries on with himself. And uh, then he, then the next time, he's quite hopeful, and it's all happening. And so he goes up and down, really. I mean, I thought Bryce was, uh, Bryce was all enthusiastic in the last show, wasn't he? And Ross was dampening it all down. However, when he was talking to Andy, this was quite interesting. He went on about this group, Kane. He obviously was sort of saying, right, I'll put it out there, see what they make of that. And nobody's really been able to find much out there, except I happened to be listening to Thomas Fessler's show with a disclosure tonight on Friday night. And Rick Doherty sometimes pops up on there, our mate Rick, who I find really interesting. I mean, we don't know how far of it is spinning, how far it's right, but he knew all about this group and they had to sort of pull it out of him a little bit, although that might have been part of his clever trick. I know that. But anyway, they had to sort of pull it out of him. But what he said, uh, it was like a quasi-government body that looked after contractors. Now, we all know the contractors are, the you know, all the different aerospace companies and all the people they have. Then when he was pressed a bit, he said, well, they've been going on for quite a long time. They've been emerged. They were quite an older group. They had a lot of clout and they were linked to the executive, i.e. meaning near the president's office and near the top. And they were at a very high level, and they, this group had the full picture of what was going on and were able to pull a lot of the levers. And so what was said was a lot, when some of the decision needed to be made, they went to that group, to them first rather than the president, and they would sometimes know more than the president, and they were the ones who sanctioned a lot of action. So that sounds a lot like MJ12 to me, the new version you know, or the core group, whatever it is. Now, I know you're only joking with a core group and the sort of Illuminati or whatever they are, the various core groups that exist. I know you're only joking. But in this case, we have thought there's a sort of in-the-know group that are holding on to the secret, and all the other people like Lou and all the rest of it are trying to sort of expose this group because for whatever reason they want to expose, thinking on it, maybe they're making wrong choices, whatever. But this was really interesting to hear Doherty speak. I don't want to go on about it too much, but he said quite a lot about it, and he had to sort of pull it out of him. But essentially what he said, they're a high-up group. They could pull all the levers, and they were the ones who were consulting. So they must have had a lot of power. So the reason he was saying that, Ross, he must have heard it, and he was really, uh, you know, framing it to put the cat among the pigeons, I think, because I think that could be a quite a senior group. So interesting. As I say, uh, 
I mean, he always sounds pretty good, Richard Doty, when you listen to him talking on these things. So, and, but I know, you know, a lot of people don't like him, and I don't say I believe everything he says, but he sounded pretty good to me, what he said. Oh, pretty coherent anyway, that he knew he'd heard about it, but you never know, do you? So, yeah, so that's that was great that I heard that because we haven't heard anything about it. I mean, I keep thinking a special cage, you know what I mean? Some insanely healthy sort of, uh, you know, sort of men in black, you know, all, you know, dieting at all times, you know, but, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, so Group K, interesting. But yeah, Ros, uh, certainly been quite interesting to listen to Ross, 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 quite interesting to listen to him recently. Yeah, definitely. And I kept having that, that mental image of Special case Serial as well whenever I heard people talking about this. It, I just I tried to avoid it, but it just keeps popping up in my head. The old Special K adverts from back in the day and things like that. But yeah, I've got a lot of time for Ross. Uh, I heard Ross on my show quite some time ago, I suppose now. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's really good, is Ross. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's... Uh, Absolutely, he's a great bloke. Yeah, so you never know. He might he might be looking into it as we speak, and there might be more to come on the Group K thing. We'll have to see how it goes. But um, what do you reckon, Ash? Yeah, I mean, I, I just hear the placebo song when every time <laughs> I hear it. Uh, rather than special, I can't even think about it. So was, yeah, the placebo song. Uh, anyway, but, yeah, I mean, the more you sort of hear about this information, it's starting to sound like an X-Files storyline cigar man that group of people that know what's going on and they're kind of obviously letting certain people know stuff and then pulling people out when they start to know too much that's sort of that very similar sort of thing with mj12 again is going to be another mj12 where does it exist doesn't it exist these all these secret groups and also you talk about the secret keeping they mentioned the senior review group you're supposed to like review all these secrets and they know all the secrets, and they choose what gets revealed and what doesn't, and all this stuff. And again, the special access program, class retrievals, all this stuff coming out again. So it's it's interesting, but again, there seems to be a bit of a theme where it's a little bit of information. It's a little bit like oh, Ross Colfart saying, "Here's a name. Don't forget this name." He must know more than what he's telling us to sort of to say that, and he says that these names and stuff. But why, if he knows more information, instead of giving like a little bit of a tease, just tell us a bit more. He must know more. He insinuates that he knows more about it than what he's talked about on the podcast. So just give us information. Stop being, being teased by everybody everywhere. Just here's a little, little tidbit and then go on, go, go do what you can with this little bit. And then, well, obviously with this group K, there's literally not much you can do with it until they sort of go down like the special access program oversight committee telling us basically looking to them people and sort of follow the threads from there. But yeah, it's interesting. Another possible MJ12 sort of situation where we don't really have any confirmation that this is real or the people involved. So yeah, it's what Greg was saying quite interesting about this Elliot Bloom. And it kind of does like would have these sort of high level people or like sort of the old, old boys sort of gang all friends and they sort of run things off each other, things like that. So, I mean, they'll do something to it. It's very, very teasy again. If like, don't forget this name, don't forget this name. Just this group K, just, just, it's just a title or something. Here you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean, and there's no question it's frustrating as hell, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like hearing something like that. But, uh, you know, I suppose, you know, to sort of, 
give the the other side of that. If somebody like is getting information, they have to be careful not to to burn sources and stuff as well. And if if Ross Coltart came out the day after that and had special K t shirts on his website and you know nine ninety nine for the, you know what I mean? Then I, I, I probably would be a bit more critical. But you know, I, I think on this occasion. I'll personally give him the benefit of the doubt that it's probably more to do with, you know what I mean, like his sources and, and not wanting to give too much away. And I suppose there's also the thing of, you know, that that angle, we could actually see some, some light being shed on it by the whole hearings thing and all the rest of it, which we'll talk about in a bit. So, you know, there may be more to come on that, you know, whistleblowers, people who know more about this group, K, perhaps... I don't know, maybe even Ross is aware of, of, of whistleblowers blowing the whistle on that exact group, you know, and maybe something to, to come in the next few months on it. We'll just have to see, won't we? It's like a lot of things. It's, it's frustrating as hell, but it's like, you know, would you rather have a little bit of information or no information at all? <laughs> we would all like to have all the information, but we're not going to get that. <laughs> so it's it's one of them, and it? it's part of the it comes with the territory, I suppose, of looking into this topic, doesn't it? It's a good point as well. It's similar to these pictures being released by Corbell and Knapp, where half the internet is generally two camps, where one really love this stuff, and the others like the skeptic side of it, or sort of all negative towards it, and they know they're going to get these responses. And they know by only putting out one picture or a couple of stills, not much more information, that there's going to be an element of people in say, that will rip it apart. So, but they know it's going to happen, but they still put it out there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to see sort of the the aims really. Well, it is the question isn't it, you pose: when is a tease not a tease? I suppose, isn't it? That's the question. And I think it's a little graduated, isn't it? I mean, I've seen much worse than. Carbell and that when putting stuff out, people who are blatantly putting stuff out for clicks and really going for it, and they're proper drama merchants, you know what I mean? I'd say, you know, there's a bit of that, Jeremy Carbell, but he's not the worst of it. So there's a little question mark, and I think with Coltar, like you were saying, Frank, there's a bit of a thing about you can't reveal source. If you said any more, he might cause it, and he's trying to you know, rattle the cage a bit. So it's quite an important case of discernment. And it's an interesting point, though. I'm not dismissing that because it is, it might be a tease and we've got to look out for that. The trick is not to knee-jerk against everything being a tease, but equally being sceptical because you're right about what you're saying. But it's not just some cobblers to get a lot of clicks. So it, I think it, listening to that now, I've just thought, yeah, I've got to be quite discerning and think about the person and what the track record is. So they, just on that... <clears throat> If you make something that divisive, like Ash says, you've got like one camp is just saying, love it, one camp, hate it, or whatever. The algorithms that social media work on is based around almost like conflicting comments. So there's people, some of these top influencers, there's a guy called um, Aaron Lambeau. He puts up stuff online and the comments are filled with hate, like hate for what he's doing. Um, he's like a bodybuilder pushing his own like products and stuff. But um, it's just like you're just giving me attention. The algorithms love me, and I get hundreds of thousands of views of my stuff. So whether or not that's one of the – I'm not saying that's necessarily clickbait, but it's definitely a good way of playing yeah. – the algorithms 
to your benefit. You can create a discussion that's so divisive that is what keeps the whole churn of algorithm back in your favour. I suppose, so, I suppose though, isn't it? That's what is about looking at the person and the narrative mm-hmm. and drawing your conclusion yep. about the longer track record rather than the yep. initial thing. And that and that is not always easy to do either. But yeah, it's quite clear with that guy you described. It's clear that some people are doing stuff and mm-hmm. like Ross Coulter, I wouldn't think he'd be bothered doing that. Oh, but yeah. equally, you know, he is in the media, so he, 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 he there is an element of touting yourself, isn't there? But but yeah, so I, that's a really good point that. In terms of discernment, and yeah, it's very, very got me thinking that actually. Yeah. But the whole thing is murky. Everything's yeah. murky online, and you can't. It's very difficult to spot the people that are doing it for that reason, the clickbaity kind of algorithm pushing um, reasons, or the person that's out there putting it out there for a specific discussion, because. Whether you like Jeremy Corbell or not, and I know we've talked about him before, the way he does it, everybody's talking about it. We talk about him on every episode that we've done of this. So he's doing something right regardless. <laughs> so it's the same with with all these kind of people. that you Like David Icke, for example. People hate him, think he's like this joker. But for about the last 30, 40 years, everybody's been talking about him. Everybody knows who he is. So, same with Yuri Geller. He's putting some shit out at the moment, and people are calling him out on it, saying this is fake CGI stuff. But again, you look, there's thousands of comments. So, is he doing something wrong? I, I suppose if yeah. you don't mind walking down the street with a bag on your head, you don't mind here, I suppose. But exactly. otherwise, you're going to make a pillow. Exactly. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. Th- there's also the yeah. thing as well of like, even if the people who are actually putting the information out, aren't necessarily doing it in a kind of, you know, you know, a way to specifically rile people up and get engagement, uh, like perhaps, you know, Aaron Lambo might do. Shout out Aaron Lambo, by the way. I remember watching his videos when nobody was watching his channel or anything, and he's proper big Same. news these days, isn't he? Shout out to Aaron Lambo. If you're listening, mate, come on the show. I'm Definitely. Sure, somehow I don't think he's got that much of an interest in yeah, UFOs, but you never know. I don't know. know. You never know. <laughs> I might drop him an email, but um, but yeah, I was just thinking, even if the people who are putting out cases and things like that themselves aren't specifically doing it for that kind of a reason, you know, maybe if there is some kind of a you know shadowy control group out there trying to put disinformation out, they could kind of manipulate things a certain way by feeding information to this person and that person at the same time, and they could quite easily control narratives, especially in this topic. This kind of a People gravitate towards, you know, like people who are claiming to have inside knowledge from this person and that person, and you know what I mean. It's those kind of claims get quite widespread very quickly, don't they? And you know, I'm not saying that that's what's happening with Ross Coulter or Jeremy Corbell, but you know, it would it would be a possibility for if somebody wanted to keep the waters muddy. All you're going to do is drop a couple of bits here and there and then let everybody else, you know, fight amongst themselves kind of thing. But anyone got anything else to add before we get on to hearing yeah, this? I, I was about to say, so now you sort of mentioned the sources side of it with what's called for. I, I was maybe comparing in my head when I'm thinking, take Luis Ando, one side of it, where he probably does know stuff and he can't say stuff because of Secrets Act or whatever. And you got what's called for, who's a journalist. And you're like, you're a journalist, you've not got your, like, 
any risks or anything to tell us. But yeah, I guess when you start talking about protecting sources, yeah, maybe that's a little unfair on Ross, but it's just that was just a good point. Yeah, it's it's all good points to all good points to raise. That's why we discuss something at the end of the day. Um but yeah, I think Ross has just got his uh, his journalist head screwed on. You know, obviously over the years he's he's covered like uh, national security stories and things like that, hasn't he? You know, and he's probably got a, a bit of inbuilt kind of caution when it comes to you know. I think I think he was mentioning it on a recent pod. Actually, he was saying there was a there was a time when he he had prior knowledge of some kind of Australian military operation that was going to take place in the desert, and it would have been a huge story if he reported on it, but he chose not to because he knew that if he did report on it and gave all the full information out, he'd never get any more information from the particular sources and stuff. So, yeah, I guess that's the world Ross comes from, so he's, he's going to be quite cautious. Mm. But he'll, he'll know how to tread that line of, oh, I'll, I'll be all right to mention that as long as I don't mention this and so on. So, But, yeah. The, the other thing, Frank, is journalists don't like to say stuff they can't back up sometimes. Does he talk a bit cryptically sharp? He's a bit like that. If you talk to him, I mean, he'd say this himself. He won't quite say if he can't back it up, certainly not publicly anyway, you know, because there may have been a bit of that going on there. But this has been really good. I've really, it's really good discussion just to think about it. I've got thought about it, made me think about it a little differently anyway. Yeah. So obviously, this is something that uh, you mentioned, Sharpie. I know Chris Sharp, Liberation Times, has been talking about this banging this drum for quite some time and something that i've been kind of looking looking forward to happening is is more hearings in the united states obviously there was already a hearing and not much came of it but there's been rumblings beginning again you know sort of the well i guess over the last few months really since the turn of the new year about more hearings potentially coming up this year and uh, there's been a bit of an increased discussion around that kind of thing over the last few weeks in particular. And um, it, it all kind of started around the time that um, Matt Gates, I'm not pronouncing that right, Dave, yeah. do you know? Yeah, yeah. you are. Matt, Matt Gates, there we go, uh, mentioned on uh, Newsmax that he was actually briefed on um, a, a UAP incident that was clearly not uh, US or foreign technology. And then people were discussing that, and then it was confirmed by Tim Burchett as well, who apparently also attended uh, the, the classified briefing. And uh, then D. Dean Johnson, who's uh, kind of a, a bit of an expert on the, uh, the US kind of legislative and political processes, uh, he actually was able to confirm from a, a, a House committee spokesperson that there are there are no hearings currently scheduled, but apparently the the oversight committee is going to be working closely with uh, Representative Bircher on this particular issue in the near future. And then on March the eighteenth, that's going back a little while now, uh, Tim Bircher in an interview with uh, Jay Project Unity uh, gave some more detail on these upcoming hearings. We were saying, quote, we're going to ask some tough questions. We're going to have the top people in the world there, unquote. I had to resist doing a Tim Bircher accent <laughs> impression on that one there. I almost did it, but no, I don't want to. Uh, anyway, on, um, on March the 21st, Erin uh, Banco of Politico uh, wrote in an article that a Senate UAP hearing is in the works for April. 
And the quote from the article, quote, lawmakers are actively pushing for more information from the administration. The Senate plans to hold a public hearing on the topic in April, unquote. And various people on Twitter have been kind of contacting staffers of various senators and tried to follow up with more questions about this, uh, with one in particular apparently confirming that Senator Gillibrand will, will actually be at this hearing. So a Senate UAP hearing apparently is quite limited as to when it can take place in April, and it's most likely uh, going to be April the 17th to the 20th or the 25th to the 28th. If they, if they do indeed actually happen in April. So we're looking towards the tail end of the month. Now, the main thing is, is that last hearing was quite interesting, but in the end, bit of a damp squib, you know, mostly due to the, the questions that were asked, even though there were some very good questions and some interesting things that came of it from Gallagher, Representative Gallagher in particular. But I've been saying for a while, you know, politics aside, because this is, you know, after all, a bipartisan issue, it affects every single human being on the planet if it turns out to be the case that we are being visited by something non-human, whatever form that takes. If we set the politics aside, if we get Tim Bircher asking the questions, there's going to be some fireworks because he doesn't hold back that guy. And the same with Rubio and Gillibrand as well. So even if only one of those names is asking the questions that are hearing, I think it's going to look a lot different to the last hearing. So it will be very interesting, and if it does play out as expected, we're going to have a lot to talk about on the next uh, round table. So what do you reckon, Dave? Any thoughts on upcoming hearings in April? Do you think we're going to see it, and what do you reckon it's going to well, look like? Well, I have, Frank. Well, you've, you've got a good list there. But, I mean, Tim Burchett said he's been promised hearings by the uh, McCarthy, is it? The, the leader of the House now. So it says he's definitely booked in. I mean, I think the theme of this overall is pressure. We've seen it since Christmas, people dropping hints, people talking about stuff, talking about RV programmes, starting from what's-his-name, uh, Chris Mellon onwards. We were talking about that on the 30th of December, if you remember, on the round table. We're starting onwards. So we've got, oh, we've got the Liberation Times. They did a piece on aerospace companies doing reverse engineering. Then you had Tom... Tom Tim Birchett and Matt Gates, Batman and Robin, standing there at the Air Force Base. Apparently, they went down there, they demanded to see the footage, then they had to make a call, the Air Force Base, to whoever, independent, and then they said, let them see it. And this footage was close, very close to the cockpit, apparently, and flying around doing the manoeuvres that we haven't seen from the videos we were just talking about, you know, five observable manoeuvres. So that was pretty, pretty mad. And from the sound of it, he was really going on, Gates. I mean... He's a very controversial person, him. But anyway, by that, of course, like you say, bipartisan, I won't go into that, but certainly they were both pretty convinced there. There's loads of people saying he's coming. The consensus, the most common rumour and consensus, I would say, is the Senate Armed Services Committee are going to do uh, one, and that'll be, be Rubio and all that answering the questions. It'll be pretty hard-hitting. And the Congressional do on the Oversight Committee, and Tim Burchett's on that. So the oversight's the money and how they're spending it and monitoring it. So it could be a bit of a pincer movement and the thinking means that there might be some others. So one of the theories that there's going to be quite a focus on uh, balloons and all the rest of it, yeah, that's the fear. But we've taken down this route again and then we have the similar Bray-type performance with either him or somebody else go, oh, talk about the balloons, nothing to see here and we're all disappointed again. 
But the feeling is it's going to be much more substantial. Now, my old mate Rick was talking about this as well, as you know. And he was saying that uh, him and his group, he does a disclosure group, apparently, as he says, linked to Rubio, and nobody's denied it from Rubio, staffers or camp. They've been asked to prepare a number of questions along with another group. He sent in 60 questions, he said, you know, about specific things, which would indicate to me, if again, if that's true, and he's not ballooning, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, you know, that's basically the going going for it again. Just on the Doughty front, because I won't mention him again, I promise. But he also said on the same show that it, three Air Force colonels come to him and his group and said they actually had recovered all the wreckage from them things and they were flying about changing height, hugging the ground. So they were certainly pretty weird. And Sharp, Chris has done another story. Chris Sharp and Liberation Times has done another story. Uh, it, t- talking about that as well and talking about the Air Force not releasing the pictures. So it makes you wonder. Now, I don't know if we can we know about that, but he said there's three guys come forward and he's passed them on to Rubio's office. So we can, I'm sure we'd, that, we'd find out about that at some point. So, as I say, uh, there's also, you've got the Jay Stratton stuff and Travis Taylor, who came out last time, saying, well, what Bray said about the hearings, about the sightings of swarms on the USS Russell, that wasn't... Uh, what accurate and they didn't know they were being recorded but that was what was said so another knock to the confidence there and George Knapp talked about RSAP what a massive program it was and all the information and all the people like Lou and all that lot knew about this program just couldn't get at it so the context around these hearings and what we hit and what we're actually hearing around them and what could come up and the pressure you know it could be pretty big but again we've marched up this hill as I'm sure Ashley will tell us and we haven't, uh, you know, as you've said, Ras, quite rightly, and things don't transpire, but it does seem like all points are converging on these hearings. So if we get a tenth of what we think, it might be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, I thought the last one was pretty interesting in general anyway. Um, probably sounded a little bit negative on it a minute ago when I was, was mentioning it, but it was still pretty big, you know, things like the Wilson memo being brought up and they mentioned about Malmstrom and all that sort of thing. And obviously there's been a lot of, you know, things that, that had a knock-on effect on as well. And that was with not really two probing questions. So as I say, imagine you get the, the, the type of folks that you were just mentioning, Dave, asking the questions. It's going to be a, a bit of a different story. But what do you reckon, Greg? Have you got any thoughts on that, mate? Uh, only that they need to ask the right question to the right person. Because you can ask the right question to the wrong person and your uh, expected response from them is going to be somewhat different to the, to the, right, from where, the right person. So I, I think it, it depends on the 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 type of questions and what they want to get out of this hearing. If they are just trying to make sure that the money ticks along, then they'll put people up there that can just muddy the water a little bit, I think. If you can get somebody up there that's actually got a knowledge from decades' worth of work and you ask that person the right question, that's when I think it could be interesting. So I know we've we've talked about the weaponized podcast, but there's there's a guy that keeps coming up through all of my time in UFOs and, and strangeness and all that kind of stuff. It's Colin Kelleher. I know he's he's a very intelligent guy. 
I've been following his work since he did the uh, Hunt for Skinwalker and all his all his work before that with NIDS as well. So I, I, I came across a NIDS website years and years and years ago, right at the start of the internet. And the more I listen to him, the more I feel that he has had part. He was in Orsap. Um, he was part of NIDS with Bigelow. He's been part of Skinwalker. He's been part of all of these projects. And he definitely knows his stuff. Now, I think if they were to ask somebody like that or get somebody like Commander Favor up there and ask a question of somebody that has in- intense knowledge of stuff, not just somebody who's been head of a committee somewhere a long way, but somebody who's had in-depth knowledge of things for years, I think the right question asked to the right person will get the right answer. It's like if you've watched iRobot, I was thinking about this just before I started speaking. So on iRobot, Will Smith at one point has to ask this hologram a question to try and find out what's happened at this particular situation. And he keeps asking all these questions and it's not till he asks the right question. And I think the hologram says you need to ask the right question. And as soon as he asks the right question towards the end of the film, he gets the answer he's looking for. So I do think the right question to the right person will at least get us somewhere. Who the right person is and what the right question is, I wouldn't have a clue. But that's just from my non um, scientific brain on all of this matter, because UFOs and UAPs are not, not my speciality. But that is my thoughts on it. It's just the right person on the right seat with the right question. I think that's when things will get a bit interesting. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually. I was mentioning about the people who who might be asking the questions, but it depends who they're asking the questions to, doesn't it? Like yeah. if and and do you know? I think I actually looked into this round about the time of the last hearing. Who actually gets to choose? Because obviously it was Moultrie and Bray last time. And who actually gets to decide who the officials are? I'm, I'm sure at the time I looked into it and found out, but I can't remember. It's going back about, well, probably about a year now or something, isn't it? I don't suppose you can remember, Dave, can you? Who actually is it that actually I, determines I, who I the officials the, are? I think it's from memory. The department's put them up based on the responsibilities, the departmental responsibilities. So in that case, because it was air safety, it was the head. Than a naval bloke who's his second effectively in that in that in that setup. That was as I understood it. But I think they can they can particularly ask for certain people. It, it was all very polite, wasn't it? Mm. So they would have just said, Who do you want to put up? And they would have said, I reckon the committee could specify who they want to talk to if they needed to. And they'd be under oath this time, remember. I don't think they'll let them off with that again, because they were under oath. That's correct. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing as well. It sounds like from what I was talking about earlier, it's not just a case that, you know, Tim Birchett puts in a request and, you know, we get what we're given. It sounds like he's actually working behind the scenes to put this together in a certain way. So, and obviously plenty of other people as well as Tim, just Tim Birchett. So be very interesting to see how it, how it plays out. Remember, um, remember, remember, Frank, he wasn't on any of the committees. They were all laughing at him this time before Christmas because he was seen as being a minority figure in the Republican Party, and now he's got a bit of power because of the voting things going on in Congress. He's now on the Oversight Committee, so he's everybody's worst nightmare on that. So, yeah, yeah. He's, 
and how the worm has turned for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you reckon, Ash? I mean, yeah, I can only really echo what you've all said, really. I've uh, been crossing off my notes as it shouldn't get mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, so I won't go into too much. But the point Greg made about the right questions, right person is really valid. And I think that will basically will become what we see. And I just hope that this time next month we will have a lot more to talk about. We, we shall see. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think um, what I like about the this particular thing about hearings and all the rest of it, the US kind of government disclosure angle, but particularly the hearings is, and, and particularly the hearings in April, is that we'll know soon enough, won't we, at the end of the day. Mm, There's yeah. a lot of things that we discuss where it's like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how it pans out. But with this one, this is one of those that we can actually come back to in a month's time at the next roundtable, actually. Uh, and and see if it happened. At the end of the yeah, day, yeah. you don't. We don't need any guesswork on this one. It's one of those happy times when we'll actually know <laughs> definitively whether or not it'll happen. And this time next month, we will know whether or not that actually did. Obviously, things can change behind the scenes. It may end up not being in April. It might be in in May or something instead. But you know, we'll know whether or not it happens in April this time next month and we'll have either not a lot to talk about or a lot to talk about and it's quite fascinating actually to think from one round table to the next all hell can break loose can't it <laughs> it's mad how that can work in just yeah. a month but I, I, I personally am pretty confident there will be hearings this year uh, the, the questions are more will it be an open hearing for the public um, you know what, what type of questions will get asked whether there'll be anything actually significant that comes out of them but yeah, this is one of them where we actually will know that, you know, soon enough. But um, yeah, I think we were possibly talking about a couple of other bits, Dave. But you know what? I think it might be best we'll save no, them and, and we'll do a bit time. Of, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll do a bit of an episode. Um, well, I'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, the other stuff that we were mentioning, we'll yeah, get an yeah, episode yeah. in over the next week on yeah. them because it might be best to go into some detail, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I would just say, just to remember on this last bit. There's a big knife fight going on behind the scenes between them all. They're all fighting like hell, I think, anyway, behind the scenes about this disclosure because the people who are keeping it secret have nowhere to go, you know, because they're going to be in a lot of trouble when it comes out and they know one picture or one whatever uh, and then they're stuffed, aren't they? So they've nowhere to go, but they've got to keep going and there's sort of no rules in a knife fight and they're very hard to predict. So we think one thing's going to happen and then something else happens. We've seen that a lot of times since we've been doing this and we've seen people who've got good sources telling us things and they're wrong. And it's not because they're wrong, it's because the person guessed wrong who was telling them because of what was going on and somebody did a sneaky move and got out of it, or we assume. So I think that's what we need to think about with all this. It could all change on a roll of a dice. And there is that knife fighter thing keeps coming in my mind. I can just see it very hard to predict and something happens and then there you go. And so... Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's an interesting ride, but it's very difficult to predict. And the person who says confidently what's going to happen is the foolish person, I think. Indeed. So, um, yeah, just uh, before we, we wrap up then, um, Ash, have you got anything about UFO Identified you want to announce? I know you're doing these, uh, these meetups now and that kind of thing. Yeah, so we just started doing monthly meetings and we had couple in manchester so far first tuesday of every month and we just launched a liverpool monthly meeting as well i'm looking to expand that into different places just giving more people the opportunity to come and meet like like-minded people talk face to face talk about stuff that we're talking about and minicon 2023 
will be on October 15th, Sunday, October 15th. That is an exclusive. I've not told that when we actually confirmed it today. Uh, but yeah, that's an exclusive for the round table is the Minicon will be in October 15th. Brilliant. So get that in your diaries. Amazing. A couple of days after my birthday, that. I'll be 21 again. And I'll, I'll be having, <laughs> having a few pints to celebrate in the Minicon, I think. But yeah, brilliant. And uh, yeah, the, the meetups, uh, very good. I, I attended the, I think it was the first one, wasn't it? I attended. Yes. Yeah, when Dave was at the second one. Yeah. So it's very yeah. good. Uh, be good well, yeah. a lot of sightings in the Wirral, so we're probably in there. Some interesting tales there, I would have said. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. Any Northwesterners or anybody else who fancies a bit of a travel, definitely worth attending one of these meetups. And, yeah, I think unless anyone's got anything else to add, we'll, we'll leave it there for now. been a pleasure as always. Absolutely. Brilliant. Great to talk to you again. Loved it. Great to speak Always to you guys. Good. Always good. Spot on. And we'll revisit some of them topics, particularly the hearings one next month, and, and see if it actually happened, eh? All right, everybody. <laughs> see you later. next time. See you later. Cheers. The UFO Roundtable. The UFO Thinker and Pursuit of the Paranormal Podcasts. Oh.